We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for March 28th, 2010. And today we're going to be talking about a lot of different um, topics. I'll just go ahead and give us a uh, little rundown of the table of contents. Uh, I'm going to make some announcements first, and then we're going to get into, I'm just going to read these off as we go. Uh, First article is entitled, Obamacare to be enforced by armed IRS thugs. And then, where do you, where do our hard-earned IRS tax dollars really go? And then, the Declaration of Dependence health care reform. Then, the House of Representatives handed President Obama his greatest victory, yet by passing the national health care bill and sending it to the White House desk for signature. However, Planned Parenthood immediately publicly stated that the executive order, which Obama promised um, to Representative Stupak to get him to change his vote, was worthless. Next article, new health care law will indeed set up death panels. Next one, the real Hussein Obama can now clearly be seen. Next article, India is preparing to force all of its 1.2 billion people to accept the national ID card with biometric features. And then the drive to create North American Union is moving forward, aided by a most unlikely campaign. Next we'll be listening to an excerpt from a former high priest of Santeria, who is now a born-again Christian. Uh, Next article, Joel Osteen blesses Houston's new gay mayor, Anise Anise Parker. And then, into the arms of Rome, through the ancient church fathers and the Eucharist. Then we'll be talking about, will the CERN Stargate reveal messages from another universe? We'll be issuing a warning about Encyclopedia Dramatica. And then, Boy Scouts sex abuse cover-up. Next article, he is not the Messiah, he's an economist an economist from Golders Green. This is the Raj Patel, who everybody, a lot of people are touting as Maitreya. And then, we're going to be talking about, in India, 1,000 attacks in 500 days. Medicating the military. And then we're going to be talking about a couple worthy uh, uh, places you might want to consider uh, regarding donations. Uh, Bible for Today, they have a... Uh, Bibles to Prisoners Ministry, and then Afflicted Bible Missions Newsletter. Uh, first thing we're going to be talking about today is uh, uh, kind of a plea for help for a, a couple listeners, and uh, long-time listeners, and um, there's a limited amount I can say about this situation. Um, suffice it to say that... Um, <clears throat> These, uh, if, if people are familiar with the whole Ed Watson saga that has went on, um, these are the people up in Virginia that literally took everyone onto their property. And um, their, their names are Pat and Trudy. And um, they uh, talked to Pat last night, and he... Um, they're in, they're in pretty dire straits because of the situation they're in uh, legally. Uh, essentially, what it boils down to is, is Ed won't get off their property. He won't leave. Pastor Ed Watson. And um, there's a limited amount of what I can say because it's, it's, it's in a legal mode at this point. Uh, but uh, he won't leave was what it boils down to. And they're literally prisoners on their own property at this point because they don't feel as though they can leave their property uh, because they don't trust what he may do. And they're literally fearing for their lives. Just like I had said before about the people that had fleed from the property, it was not an exaggeration. Anything that I had said in that two-part teaching, which evidently was the linchpin for me getting kicked off Sermon Audio, um, let me tell you a little bit about that. Stephen, the guy that owns Sermon Audio, Ed Watson had been going up there, uh, my word, railing on person after person after person. And um, what I wanted to do is go up there and give an answer to this man regarding all the things that he was saying. And I did that, and I was as bu- above board as I could possibly be. I went to Stephen... I asked him if I could post it. I said, what kind of latitude do I have? Ed had had a teaching slandering me up there for at least a couple weeks. And then he did another one the next week. And 
Stephen basically said, "Yeah, you you have uh, you have your you go ahead and do it, and and we'll cross whatever bridge when we come to it." Well, I put that thing up, and within less than twenty four hours, they had already pulled that teaching that I did on on at Watson, and it wasn't my opinion; it was testimony after testimony after testimony I was reading from different people that had experienced had had experiences with him. Well. That was seemed to be the the, the uh, beginning of the end for me on sermon audio. Ed was literally kicked off, I believe, that week, and then I was I had a little more time. They gave me ten days' notice for a website I've never even had a warning from ever, and I, I knew it was a matter of time for me on sermon audio. I I, I you know teach against the five hundred one c three corporate church, and uh, it was a matter of time before. You know, the vast majority of all preachers and pastors and churches are under that classification. Whether it's a corporation, a corporate soul, whatever they, you know, a lot of them are are under that designation and classification. And um, that alone was enough to get me kicked off. And I was very surprised I lasted as long as I did up there. And I I do believe it's a blessing in disguise. And uh, we're on contendingfortruth.com now which is our own site, listener put up for me. And um, the problem is, is I've had people emailing me, and, and uh, you know, it's not obviously as streamlined at this point as Sermon Audio is. When all this happened, this also, my mom also had a stroke, and she was already battling end-stage cancer. So she went literally from, you know, the um, frying pan into the fire type of thing. And I, I was consumed for, you know, obviously about seven weeks. I was already taking care of her to begin with, but it was about seven weeks worth of, of her being in hospice until she ultimately passed on. Now, she got saved, and I got confirmation of that um, even after I led her to the Lord. So, praise the Lord for that. But um, uh, it's just, it's been a, a lot of what we've been... Um, Dealing with it, my time has been very, very limited, and, and I've been getting emails and, and stuff, and people are asking me questions, and I just can't answer everybody's question anymore. There's just no way. Um, and um, I, I tell you what, I'm just going to tell you that first, and then I'm going to update you on on with what Pat and Trudy are going through. So, um, let's see here. At the same time. This all all happened with me. My computer went down. And to the point where I almost lost everything. Because even though I had stuff backed up, the backup didn't work. It was was a mess. I had to put about $500 in my laptop. Just to find out this morning, the same thing's happening again. So I'm going to have to get a new laptop. And I'm absolutely disgusted that I have to do this. Uh, I would heavily advise you never to buy an Acer. I did that because it's not Bill Gates' Microsoft. He doesn't have the processor, AMD processors in this. That was my one of my motivations. Um, but they're not they're not good computers as far as I can tell you. And um, I, even though putting $500 into doing a new backups and new hard drive and the whole nine yards, it's doing the exact same thing that it was before. And I don't believe it's the guy that's working on my computer. The devil's been fighting me tooth and nail, you know, for really for the last... Uh, just had a lot of stuff going on the last two to three months. I've also found out that the property that my mom was in, because I was here taking care of her, that lease expires at the end of this month, uh, end of April. So I literally may only have a month to get out of here. I'm trying to deal with all her possessions and my dad's stuff and finding a place to go. And it's just, it's it's a lot of stuff going on right now. So I'm not complaining, I'm just kind of giving you an update. I don't do this a whole lot when I'm doing right now. In fact, I rarely do that. Um, but just things that if you could pray about, uh, I, I would appreciate it. Oh, God did get something really good that happened, though. I had put out an email before about hospice because I had to sign off on that when she first went in because she was incapable of signing because she just had a stroke. And um, I found out that Medicaid is going to fully cover, it's already covered the hospice bill. So I'm not going to have any hospice bill put upon me. So praise the Lord Jesus Christ for that. And um, that was a wonderful thing to find that out. Um, and just if you pray about um, 
you know, my future, my next move here, literally my next move, because um, I just want to do what the Lord wants me to do, and I, um, that's what I'm really praying, you know, it opens that door and makes it very obvious to me. Getting back to Pat and Trudy, um, they're in a position right now that they are essentially destitute because of the position that Ed has put them in, Ed Watson. And they're, um, they're basically like prisoners in their own house. They can't leave. Um, there's a limited amount I can say about this. Uh, at some point I'll probably do a full report on this. But right now, because of the legalities and things, it's about all I can really say. Um, They're very hard-working people. They're born-again Christians, and they their hearts were in the right place. They they were they were going to have and they opened their their property up to people to come up there, and um, you know Ed was going to be the pastor, and they had a lot of people move up there, but it, it turned out to be an absolute. Um, nightmare as soon as Ed showed up. And, I, and if you listen to the previous teaching I've done on that, I don't want to get, go down that rabbit trail any more than I have to, but uh, they couldn't leave like everyone else did. And they were the property owners. And um, just been a nightmare. Absolute, total nightmare since then. And they've been shown you know, what everyone else was shown about Ed Watson. Uh, it's very obvious at this point. Um, we prayed for the truth to come out. It has so come out. I mean, it's not a point of debate anymore. Uh, it, it has come out. And um, if you would feel so led of the Lord, and I told him I'd do this for him. See, I, I hate asking for money. I hate asking for donations and things. And I praise God for everyone that's that's donated to this ministry. And, um, you know, I've stopped my chiropractic practice I'm not I, I don't I'm not take new patients because I'm trying to devote myself to this ministry and um, praise the Lord from the donations I've been able to do that you know and um, I can't stand asking for donations but I love doing this for them in other words uh, being able to go to bat for someone else a born again brother and sister in Christ and if you feel so led to donate to them, Because, and I don't want to say a whole lot here, because of the situation there, I talked about this with Pat last night, and if you're going to send a donation, I'm going to, I'm going to say to send it to me first, and then I will make sure I gather the donations and get them to Pat in a way where Ed can't intervene. Because Ed's on the same property as they are. So there's a specific way I, I'm going to have to get the, the donations to him in order for them to get. Because if he gets his hands on them, I'm afraid he'll never get to them. So I'm going to say if you want to donate to Pat and Trudy, if you send a donation, send it to me, Scott Johnson. I'll give you my address. I'm going to put this in the PDF. It's 5660 Bayshore Road, number 27, PMB, as in Postal Mailing Box 115. North Fort Myers, Florida, 33917. Again, it's 5660 Bayshore, one word, B-A-Y-S-H-O-R-E road, number 27, PMB, as in Postal Mailing Box, 115, North Fort Myers, M-Y-E-R-S, Florida, 33917. But designate, if you make a check or a money order, designate your donation or whatever type of donation you send for Pat and Trudy. So I know, because I'm getting donations myself, and I don't want to get anything, I don't want to muddy the waters here. So make sure if you send a donation, and it's des- and, and if you make a check or a money order out, make it to Trudy Zaliwa. Now, it's actually Zaliva, I guess, but it's a silent V. So I'm going to spell it out for you. T-R-U-D-Y. Trudy, T-R-U-D-Y, last name, Z-A-L-E-W-A. Z, as in zebra, A-L-E-W-A. That's who you'd make a check or money order out to. And if I gather up enough, I'll make sure that they get 
whatever you send, whatever type of donation is appreciated. Okay? Whether it's check, money, order, cash, gold, silver, whatever. I'll make sure it gets in their hands. Uh, pray about it. I mean, and, and um, I just wanted to go ahead and make that announcement for them because they're in pretty dire straits as a result of everything that's went on up there. Uh, okay, let's go ahead and um, and I do thank, again, I just thank you for all the prayers and support and uh, I've got during this time, you know, with, with my mom and, and uh, the donations that have come in. I just, I just praise the Lord uh, for my listeners. And um, we'll go ahead now and get into the uh, report for today. And uh, the first article is entitled, Obamacare to be enforced by armed IRS thugs. If the health care bill was such a positive act of reform as, establish, as establishment Democrats and corporate media are pitching it to be, then how come it needs to be enforced by means of a coercion at the hands of thousands of armed IRS thugs? That was the context of the discussion during Ron Paul's appearance on Fox Business America Nightly Scoreboard last night. As the congressman continued to speak out against the tyrannical nature of Obamacare, like I said, I mean, this thing is the worst thing I've ever seen. This is the worst bill that I've ever seen put through in, in our country's history. Uh, it's it's horrific. I'm not going to get into all the particulars of it today, but we are going to be covering different facets of it. Paul emphasized the need to protect the private option in the health care as a fundamental right for all Americans not to be reliant on the government for their services. During this debate, they talked a whole lot about the public option. I just wish they would protect the private option. Give us a chance to have it private. Just like you should have a chance to have a private education, homeschooling. You should always protect that. If you always had a private option in medicine, some of us could survive and at least we could set an example for the type of medicine that the people should be getting, said the congressman. I mean, literally forcing you to buy health care. Now, everybody that, that I've talked to that, that where they say they're going to force you to do this, you know what the standard response I hear? Well, they're just going to have to throw me in jail. That's the first thing I said when I heard it. And I mean, I'm hearing this from people that you would normally never hear that from. But that's been the standard response. Well, they're just going to have to throw me in jail. That's the standard response. I mean, how can they, how unbelievably um, unconstitutional, unbiblical, ungodly to force the government to force you to do something that you can't afford anyway? I mean, the way healthcare has been, particularly in the last 10 years and on, I mean, it's been so outrageous what it costs just to even have healthcare insurance. I mean, unless you work for somebody and they're either paying it or you're doing a partial payment, it's been almost out of reach for, you know, the average person who can afford that stuff. I mean, even catastrophic policies. But now they're saying, no, you're, you're going to be forced to doing this, and they're going to use the IRS to do it. Host David Asman pointed out that it would now be illegal to have private health care. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that just sounds so, you know, unbelievable. But it's, unfortunately, what's coming. And that people would be forced to buy insurance under the constant glare of the 16,000 plus new IRS agents being hired to harass people into compliance to the new program. Yeah, they're going to hire, from this bill, 16,000 more IRS thugs and, and force them into compliance in the new program. Under Obamacare, $10 billion is allocated to pay for the 16,500 IRS agents who will collect and enforce mandatory premiums. Paul said the people who previously needed to carry the least amount of insurance would now be forced to carry the maximum and be hounded by the IRS as a result. Now, I'm not just saying all this stuff so we can wring our hands and be mad about it. I'm, I'm telling you this so that you know to pray about it. Or fast, or whatever you feel led to do. This is pure wickedness. This is pure evil. This is a command society now, and medicine is right at the forefront of this. 16,500 armed bureaucrats coming to make this program work. If it was a good program and everybody liked it, why would you need to hire 16,500 thugs coming with their guns to put you in... Yeah, IRS agents actually can have guns. I've seen them with guns. 
you wouldn't need to hire 16,500 thugs with their guns putting you in jail if you didn't follow all the rules. I mean, they're going to have to put out the country in jail. The honest ones, you know, the illegal aliens, they can do whatever they want. They'll get free citizenship, they'll get free health care, and they can do whatever they want with this bill. But the, the honest people, particularly middle class and these types of people who they're really after, they want to destroy the middle class, that's who they be coming after. The congressman highlighted the fact that people don't trust the government's record on social programs, pointing out that Medicare, Medicaid, and the post office are all bankrupt, and that the majority of Americans have little confidence in Obamacare being any different. I mean, I know what I just went through with Social Security with my mom. Thank God that didn't end up being a factor. Um, But that's one of the most corrupt things I've ever seen. I mean, I called the first day, three hours on hold. And then the phone just cut off. Called the next day, an hour and a half, and I just said, I'm going to get in my car while the, while the phone's ringing. Well, by the time I got there, the, the phone was still ringing. It's an hour and a half. And so I just shut the phone off and went in, and it was packed to the gills. Go in there, when I finally ended up talking to a guy, he says, oh yeah, we got one phone, one line for the whole... And I live in a very high retirement area in southwest Florida. One phone for the whole... Uh, Social Security for Lee County, Florida. Um, and then go through all the rigmarole, set up the Social Security disability interview with my mom, and she's, you know, not in the greatest state, not in the greatest state mentally, but we got through that. And then they turn her down. They say, oh, you haven't paid into the system long enough. She worked at the phone company for like 30 years, paid into it. She had other jobs after that where she paid into it. From what I understand, that's just standard procedure. They turn everybody down the first time. The only way to to hardly secure Social Security disability is if you keep hounding them by constantly appealing it or getting a lawyer. And they know they're going to eliminate a certain amount of people because a certain amount of people aren't going to hound them. Maybe they don't have the the wherewithal or the resources or, or whatever to do it. And a certain amount of people are not going to go get a lawyer to do it. This is why you see these Social Security lawyers. They're just corrupt and wicked. They're just trying to deny you what you've already paid into the system. I saw that with my dad. My dad died. He hadn't paid in as much as my mom. He was self-employed. My mom had worked in a regular job, and um, so she had paid more in, and they said when he died, that means that you don't get to draw on any of his Social Security. But he paid it into the, into the system for years. Well, it doesn't matter. She paid in more, so he gets, she gets nothing. So it's like a $250 death benefit. It's just, it's, it's just wicked. It's corrupt, it's wicked, and I understand it's, it's going down the tubes, and they're probably trying to conserve as much money as they can as a result of that. But um, as far as I'm concerned, what they're just trying to do right now is they're just trying to get as, kill off as many baby boomers as possible. And they're doing that by various means. Uh, all the stuff I've covered in previous teachings on the chemtrails and the vaccinations and the stuff they're putting in the water and the food and the and the air and the you name it. There's there's so many different reasons that you could either contract cancer or heart disease um, alone, and those are the two biggest killers: strokes, things of this nature. And by eliminating the baby boomers in particular, there's every time they eliminate one, that's just all the less money they're going to end up having to pay out. Particularly if if there was they paid less than their spouse, or if there's no spouse surviving. Like I said, they're trying to reduce world population. Um, there's a lot of different numbers you see out there. It's minimum 66 um, percent all the way to uh, 95 percent. Georgia Guidestones 500 500 million was the first commandment on the Georgia Guidestones, which are like the new, the Ten Commandments for the New Age, and that's, you know, 90 plus percent uh, reduction. they got to accomplish it some way. And we talked about this last week with Bill Gates and these types of people. They're open about it now. They're absolutely 100% open about it. And vaccinations are one of the main ways they're trying to do it. And they're open about it. It's not like a point of debate. So, Paul said if there were said there was a chance parts of the bill would be overturned if Republicans were victorious in November. 
but that the biggest threat to the legislation was probably that the entire system would collapse, labeling Obamacare as a, quote, horrendous new burden that we have placed on the economy. Now, just so you know, where do your hard-earned IRS tax dollars go? I'm going to read this to you. And where do the income taxes that are actually collected go? In 1982, President Ronald Reagan formed the President's Private Sector Survey on Cost Control. An independent panel of 160 of the country's top business leaders headed by Peter Grace, known as the Grace Commission, in order to find ways to cut federal spending. In their report submitted to President Ronald Reagan on January 15, 1984, this blue-ribbon panel stated the following, quoting directly from a 12-page report, said, quote, Resistance to additional income taxes would be more widespread if people were aware that one-third of all their taxes are consumed by waste and inefficiency in the federal government, as previously identified, with two-thirds of everyone's personal income taxes wasted or not collected, 100% of what is collected is absorbed solely by interest on the federal debt. In other words, all individual income tax revenues are gone before one nickel is spent on the services taxpayers expect from the government. In other words, nothing that you pay in the income tax goes to run in this country. Nothing. It's purely absorbed by interest on the federal debt. That's it. That's all it goes for. That's that's doesn't go to running this country. Oh, you don't pay your tax. Doesn't go to running this country. It's wicked. It's evil. Let's look at this more. The IRS is not a US government agency. It is an agency of the IMF. What does that stand for? International Monetary Fund. Where do I get that from? I give you the whole court case right here. It's all referenced. Everything I'm talking about is all referenced. It's a court case called Diversified Metal versus IRS. Um, Senate Report 94-1148, page 5967. That's where we found that out. IRS is not a governmental agency. It's an agency of the International Monetary Fund. The International Monetary Fund, guess what, is an agency of the United Nations. Well, isn't that going to be like the crux and the head of the one world government? Yeah, you're right. That's where all your money's going. International Monetary Fund uh, to the United Nations. You're funding the International Monetary Fund and then... The, the United Nations, essentially, by paying into the income tax system. Where do we find out the IMF is an agency of the UN? Black's Law Dictionary, 6th edition, page 816. 3. The U.S. has not had a treasury since 1921. I'll give you the reference for that. The U.S. Treasury is now the International Monetary Fund. Presidential Documents, 29 number 4, page 113. 22 U.S.C., 58285-288. So what's the big deal about the Fed? For starters, it's not contrary to popular belief a part of the government. Remember that now there's this big thing to edit the Fed? You know, I believe Ron Paul started that. Well, they're not going to let that happen because I don't think they're going to let it happen. Because if the truth ever came out about this, of course, it's dumbed down as the average... American is, I don't know if it'd make a difference, but, and I'm not talking about my listeners, I'm talking about the average, regular, you know, person that could care less about what we're going over today. The Federal, or the Fed or the Federal Reserve is privately owned. The IRS is actually like a private debt collection arm for the IMF that works with the Federal Reserve. It's a privately owned, uh, the Federal Reserve is a privately owned bank, essentially. It was created in 1913. We could go way, way down this rabbit trail. I, I don't want to get too far down it, and I understand there's people that have wanted me to get into this before, but it's a really vast, big subject, and I'm just kind of giving you the highlights here today. So the Fed is privately owned, which means the United States does not control its own money supply. Strange but true. They just print the money out of thin air. That's how it works. There's nothing backing the money anymore. We were taken off the gold standard in 1933, totally off the silver standard, I believe, in 1968. 
was when they stopped putting any silver in coins. 63 was when they stopped making, uh, you know, it was like 90% silver in the quarters and the dimes. But I believe 68 was the last year they were, they were putting some silver in half dollars and silver dollars. So there's nothing backing the money supply anymore. The Fed was created around the same time that the U.S. adopted such charming practices as taxing the income of working people. So who really rules America? There's a little video you can watch on this as well that I post there. So anyway, I just want you to understand what we're dealing with here. It's pure wickedness. It's pure corruption being foisted uh, upon Americans. This is entitled Declaration of Dependence, the Health Care Reform. Uh, this is from March 23rd. Our present-day government has become an abomination against the founding principles on which America was created. The United States government has officially announced its decree of dependence through bailouts and outright robbery known as health care reform. The only growth industry left in the United States is the government, which this is all by design. The Bureau of Labor Statistics overview of 2008 to 2018 projections show that since the government has now co-opted health care, finance, insurance, and information, it will hold 30% of all future employment growth, far outweighing any private sector. Well, this is what they want. They want everybody working for the government. I mean, if you work for the government, you got to do what they say, right? Well, they're, now they're co-opting health care, finance, insurance, and information. They're taking over this. And as a result of this, the government itself holds 30% of all future employment growth. This is all part of the plan. This portends the inevitable rise of a full-fledged collectivist state. As jobs in the real economy continue to be decimated, new graduates will seek a lifetime security of government work, further strengthening the very system which seeks to enslave them. The new unholy trinity of healthcare legislation, cyber security legislation, and environmental legislation all but guarantees an all-out war on the taxpayer and the self-reliant individual. The management of this state behemoth will need more IRS agents, more social workers, more healthcare administrators, more internet security experts, and more environmental police to oversee all key areas of society. For those who like a sick joke, there is another growth sector, employment services. Uncle Sam definitely wants you. Um, and then that's all that's... I, that's all I put wrote, put on this one report. And again, the Bible says to be angry and sin not. And I believe these are things that we, we you know, if you get righteous and indignant about something like this, you know, get on your knees, pray fast, do whatever the Lord's leading you to do. I mean, don't I don't advocate violence or anything like that. I'm just saying that um, we're in a time of great wickedness, and um, particularly under o- Obama's regime, it's just getting worse and worse. And um, let's go to the next article. This is the House of Representatives handed President Obama his greatest victory, yet by passing the national health care bill and sending it to the White House desk for signature. However, Planned Parenthood immediately publicly stated that the executive order which Obama promised to Representative Stupak to get him to change his vote was worthless. This is from Planned Parenthood, a report they put out on the 22nd, and it says, Pro-abortion bill of victory, executive order meaningless. This is what Planned Parenthood, the number one abortion provider in America, says. Planned Parenthood called the pro-abortion health care bill the House approved late Sunday night a victory and applauded the financial windfall it is expected to reap as a result. So here's another great thing that that this is going to do, because Obama supposedly signed this executive order that would not fund taxpayer-funded abortions, but actually that's probably a bunch of garbage we're finding out. How could Planned Parenthood reap a financial windfall if that weren't the case? The abortion business also dismissed the executive order. Um, President Barack Obama should be Barry Satoro, because that's his real name. Executive order President Obama promised Congressman Bart Stupak as harmless. That's what they said about the bill. Richard dismissed the executive order, which has been slammed by pro-life groups as a symbolic gesture to the anti-choice Congressman Bart Stupak. No, it's anti-choice. No, it's pro-life. You're pro-death. 
well, anti-choice to kill your baby? Yes, I guess I am against that choice. You know. It's a child, not a choice. And this is one of the main reasons why I believe God's letting a lot of this stuff happen. You know, because we as a country haven't taken a stand like we need to regarding abortion and these types of things. And innocent blood is defiling the land, as the Bible talks about in the Bible. Millions and millions of babies that have been slaughtered in America alone. And that blood cries out from the land, and it defiles the land, and it brings curses on the land. And this is a curse, this stuff that's happening. But it's, the curse causeless shall not come. The Bible says that. The curse causeless shall not come. Meaning, the curse has got to have a cause for it to come. Well, this is one of the main reasons that the curse is coming upon this country. Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying this to my like my listeners. I'm talking in general, people in general, you know. Um, Richard, uh, well, let's go further here. From the moment I heard Repres- Representative Stupak was changing his vote because Obama promised him an executive order forbidding foreign funds from being used for abortion, I knew Stupak was grabbing at a straw designed to placate his voters, even if for a little while. This is what Planned Parenthood is saying. Planned Parenthood president then explained a little more clearly. He said, quote, Despite Stupak's contention that the executive order would implement his abortion funding ban, Richard said that's not the case. What the president's executive order did not do is include a complete and total ban. Uh, that, con- that Congressman Bart Stupak had insisted upon. Richard said, quote, So while we regret that this proposed executive order passed, it is critically important to note that it does not include the Stupak abortion ban, end of quote. Thanks to supporters like you, we were able to keep the Stupak abortion ban out of the final legislation, and President Obama did not include the Stupak language in his executive order, Richards, Richards admitted. So, you know, I mean, Obama's the, the biggest pro-abortion senator ever been on record, as far as his voting record goes, when he was a senator. Uh, so this shouldn't surprise us. This is probably something he just had up his sleeve and he just implemented it at the last minute in order to get the necessary votes to railroad this abomination through. President Obama is walking the fine line between making people think he's saying something and he's really not saying it at all. Now we can see how happy Planned Parenthood is that their income from increased abortions is going to skyrocket. You need to stop to read our new healthcare news article. So, by you paying into this system, not only are you feeding the IRS beast, but you're also feeding Planned Parenthood. That's what that's what's happening here. Your money, you're going to be put in increasing positions where your money is going to be used to fund wickedness. Fund IRS wickedness, to fund the um, Planned Parenthood wickedness, you name it. You know, something you need to pray about. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you, you know, something you need to pray about. Do what the Lord's telling you to do. If there's laws on the books that are telling you to do something contrary to the Bible or to the biblical principles, you're going to have to choose whom this day who you're going to serve. So let's go further. It says, um, this is from Cutting Edge, it says, you need to stop and read our new headline news article which proves that the population reduction goals of the Hitler's Nazi medical machine are followed by Obamacare. This is very, very similar to what Hitler did, in other words. I'm not going to get into all the stuff there, but it's very, very similar. Next article, new health care law will indeed set up death panels. I believe this is from Cutting Edge again. Remember the reality, this health care law is not about providing compassionate health care for every citizen. Rather, this law is designed to clamp government control over every citizen from cradle to grave. In fact, the health care law is a sign that the planned absolute dictatorship is coming and closer than most people would like to think. This is the bottom line about why America has a massive national health care law now. We know the Illuminati plan is to eventually reduce world population from 66% to 95 Listen to their own words. This is from Bill Cooper in Behold a Pale Horse, page 27. The secret societies were playing as far back as 1917 to, resent, to invent an artificial threat. 
in order to bring humanity together in a one-world government, which they would call the New World Order. Take control of the world to reduce the world to a safe level by a process of benevolent slavery and genocide, meaning reduce world population by a process of benevolent slavery and genocide. The only alternative left to the world's ruling elite was to increase the death rate. They did not relish the possible consequences of an enraged public upon discovering that they were being systematically murdered. A very short but very dead, deadly global war using nuclear weapons upon a select population concentrations was contemplated and was not ruled out. Dr. Aurelio Pacelli of the Club of Rome advocated that a plague be introduced that would have the same effect as the Black Death of times past. Now, <laughs> if you've heard my Avion Flu presentation, I give you all the quotes confirming this, that a Black Death would be one of the preferred ways for them to implement this. Because in, in the words of that one man I quoted, I forget his name, but he said that if a Black Death were in, introduced to humanity, he said something to the effect that People could procreate and not have to worry about uh, population increase because if they just introduce black plagues every once in a while, um, they'd decimate the population and you wouldn't have to worry about that. And he, then he also said there would be nothing in this to defend to offend the consciences of the devout, meaning anybody with a religious background that would be against the genocide, like let's say a Christian, for instance. Hey. If a, if a black death comes on the planet, well, if you're believing the propaganda that's being told you, there's, no, there's nothing in that that's going to offend you. You're just going to say, well, it just happened. It was an act of God, and, and you know, you're not going to get offended. Now, if they came in and just wholesale murdered everybody, there's going to be a lot of people, uh, obviously, <laughs> offended by that. So they would like to be, as the serpent was in the Garden of Eden, more subtle. And this is a more subtle way they can pull that off. This is the very reason I did that avian flu tour back in 06, and I've reported on the swine flu and these types of things, and the vaccination plots and things of this nature, so that we can be educated about these things and pray about them, so that we're not destroyed for lack of knowledge. So, this is the essence of the health care plan just signed into law by President Obama, to increase the death rate and to reduce you and me to a point of benevolent slavery and genocide. This is what their goals are with this. Credibly, this new health care law establishes a powerful independent medical advisory board. And they've got a link here to Patient Protection and Affordable Health Care, HR 3590. You can click on that link. Um, this new independent medical advisory board will set up, be set, set up the same type of death committees. The legislation document even has a name for it, the Expert Advisory Board the exact name. This medical committee is referred to time and time again in the body of legislation. The elderly, the terminally ill, and everyone else whose medical and emotional state of health is not deemed, quote, worthy of life will soon be routinely denied treatment. They're going to have to ration care with this, with this health care plan. Um, and when they start rationing care, some people are going to have to go. And that's going to all be by design. And when they die, our leaders will consider this flood of death to be benevolent genocide. That's what it's going to be called. Benevolent genocide. It's like, you know, Dr. Kevorkian um, on steroids here. Next article. The Rio Hussein Obama can now be clearly seen. This is from 326 uh, this year. When a head of state visits the, United, the U.S., he or she is greeted with honor, typically. Sometimes even with military honors. For example... When one of the Arab heads of state comes to the White House, they're even met at the airport by high-ranking dignitaries, even the president himself. If it happens to be the king of Saudi Arabia, Obama would even bow to him, showing his submission to Islam. If it was a third world leader from Africa, he would get full military honor reception. And when they came to the White House, they would come through the front door and be brought to the Oval Office. All of this, of course, would be covered by the media with full press coverage. However, when the Jewish leader of Israel comes to visit the White House, he is brought in under the cover of night. Now, I understand there's going to be some people say, okay, it's all a Zionist plot, this and that. Okay, fine. Okay, Let's just look at both sides of the, of the coin here. Okay, and um, I, I, I've said this before. 
some people say it's all the Zionists. Some people say it's all the Masons. Some people say it's all the Vacans. Some people say it's all the Illuminati. You know what? who's behind all of it? Satan. Satan's at the very top. With fallen angels underneath him. Why do I say that? Because the Bible says Satan was the anointed cherub that covered. He was a cherub. He was an angelic type being, but he wasn't exactly an angel. He was, I believe, of a higher order. And it all starts with Satan. So it's one big effort. Okay? And... Let me just read this again. When the Jewish leader of Israel comes to visit the White House, he is brought under the cover of night and not to the front door. He is brought to the side door. Well, if, if you got a president, our president's a Muslim. He might be a closet Muslim, but he's a Muslim. And this is why he bows to those people and why he gives them such favor. But the Jewish leader is brought to the side door and met with an unknown person, quickly ushered into a side room where he waits for the grand appearance of the president, who takes his time and then arrives with arrogance and disdain, showing that he has been reported as a vindictive attitude towards the Jewish leader of Israel, Netanyahu. This is what just happened. Okay, This, this just happened. It seems to me that the cover has been completely blown off any pretense of Obama's position on Israel and the Arabs who call themselves Palestinians. He no longer negotiates with Israel today. He demands that Israel submit to the Islamic Arabs and give up their land in order to appease the Islamic Arabs. Who did he send over there to accomplish this? Hillary Clinton. I'm sorry, Hillary. That's who he sent over there. That witch. So she could go over there and try to strong arm him. So I guess that didn't work enough, so he summoned him to you know, the White House and you know, he treated him kind of like garbage, yeah, he's, you know, he's showing his true colors. He's demanding that Israel submit to Islamic Arabs and give up their land in order to appease the Islamic Arabs. In order, what he is demanding, in short, what he's demanding is the total and final destruction of the Jewish state of Israel. See, the more land they give up, the closer they can get their rockets to the population centers in Israel, the Arabs. Now, I, I, I know, I, I always have people emailing me saying, oh, you don't understand, and they're actually on the Palestinian side. They're actually on the Arabs, and, the, and I've done tons of teachings on the Muslims. I understand Israel's not perfect. I understand that. I understand, yes, the synagogue of Satan. The Bible says they call themselves Jews, but they're of the synagogue of Satan. Most likely, yes, that's who's in charge of, of Israel. Okay? But, do we just turn our back on Israel? Well, read Romans 11. Okay? No, we just don't turn our back and just, oh, you know, there, there's no more Israel, and like the British Israelism believes, and there's a lot of other cults out there that believe they've usurped the position of Israel, and, and God's done with Israel. Okay, if that's the case, why does Revelation 7 and 14 name all, well, Revelation 7 in particular, name all the tribes by name, 144,000? Oh, that's spiritualized. Oh, okay, right, right. <sighs> Anyway, I don't want to argue with anybody about this. I, I've, I've already given my stance on this. and um, Let's just look at this, for instance, this little paragraph here. Israel is a Jewish nation, one-nineteenth the size of California, and is one of the smallest nations on the face of the earth. With only about 8,000 square miles of land mass, it is roughly two times the size of Rhode Island. Israel is 260 miles at its longest, has a 112-mile coastline, and 60 miles at its widest. Between three to six mile, between three to nine miles at its narrowest, the nation of Israel, surrounded by twenty-two hostile Arab Islamic dictatorships that are six hundred and forty times her size. Six hundred and forty. Oh, those poor Palestinians—they're just running out of land. Those mean old Jews—they're just—they're just terrible. Why is it that the, the Palestinians, these Arab, these Muslims, are so obsessed with taking what little Israel has away from them? Well, because they are of their father, the devil, and of his works they will do. Well, doesn't mean I don't want them to get saved. Doesn't mean I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for them. Doesn't mean I don't think right now that, the Bible, as the Bible says, the blindness in part has happened to the Jew until the fullness of the Gentile come in. I mean, the Jews are blind too right now, for the most part, regarding Jesus Christ just as the Arabs are. But the Arabs keep wanting to encroach and encroach and encroach. When their landmass that they occupy, Arab-wise, is 640 times the size of Israel, with 60 times her population. Arab propagandists 
propagandists call Israel expansionist. How could you call Israel expansionist? They've got this little sliver of land, 640 times less the size of what the Arabs have, but it's never enough. It's like Satan. You're never going to be able to give Satan enough. He's never going to be satisfied with whatever you would offer him. Whether if it's your life, if it's your family, if it's your... It'll never be enough. He wants to see you in dead in hell. Then it'll be enough for Satan. There is no truth to the statement, there is no truth to this statement as Israel occupies one-sixth of one percent of the lands called Arab. One-sixth of one percent. That's all they occupy. There are 13 million Jews in the world, almost 5 million fewer than there were in 1939, and 300 million Arabs, and 1.4 billion Muslims. Arab propagandists and biased, irresponsible news, news services call Israel, quote, expansionist and the aggressor against the Arab peoples. Now, I've done, like I said, I've done a ton of reports on this, proving that every time Israel has made concessions to the Arabs, whether it's Hamas or whoever, and they've flat out stated the the only thing that that um, the Arabs will ever, the Muslims will ever be satisfied with, is the total annihilation and destruction of the Jews. That's the only thing that's ever going to appease them. So you give them a little bit, and they're and and they'll be happy for about a day or two, and then they'll just start launching their rockets at you again. It's never enough. Why? Because the Quran commands them to slaughter the Jews first and all infidels. And they're on their, supposedly, their turf. The, the Arabs believe it's their land and it was never whatever they believe. It's never going to be enough, ever, for them. Israel has fought defensive wars to the Arabs. Israel's resistance to their aggression, which would lead to Israel's total destruction if allowed to go unchecked. This is illogically viewed as an act of aggression. So every time Israel tries to defend herself, you know, the, the, the world media, for the most part, comes against them and says, oh, look at Israel, what they're doing. Here they are, shoehorned into this little sliver of land, and they've got these Arabs bearing down on them at every side fearing for their life all the time, and every time they've ever given them more land, they just turn around and launch more rockets. They get a little closer to them, to their population centers. But every time they defend themselves, it's an act of aggression. It's expansionist. What it is, is it's garbage. This, um, is illogical the proper term to be using here? Of course it is. But is logic really a considered factor in much of today's news propaganda? Now, going back to this report, that was an excerpt I pulled out from one of the Word documents I have. Obama knows the truth of who and what and what he is will catch up with him. His intent is to destroy the United States from within, and his hatred for the USA, and even um, its flag is well known. But God has something to say to Mr. Obama, Zechariah 12. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord, which stretcheth forth the heavens and layeth the foundation of the earth, and formeth the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the world round about. And when they shall be in siege against both Judah and against Jerusalem, and in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. What this is pretty much saying is pretty much the whole world is going to end up coming against Israel. And it's one of the things I'm watching for too, because when we totally turn our back on Israel, and, it, and we got the best guy, we could, best devil we could possibly have in the White House right now to make that happen. Boy, boy, there's that guy that wrote that whole book, uh, Koenig is his name, um, regarding all the things that happened to the United States. Every time we put pressure on Israel to give up more land, strong arm them, we always have some type of cataclysmic event. He documented time after time after time natural disasters that happened to the United States over and over and over again. Okay, so one of the books where that's written is uh, the book Israel, the Blessing, or the Curse. Events are identified in this book that occur in close proximity to every time Israel has been strongly advised or forced to give up her covenant land by the United States or others. Uh, and then he goes on to cite event after event after event after event. I mean, over and over and over. Um, 
regarding this. There's just been a lot of stuff written about this, and it's not it's not opinion. It's just a matter of citing and getting all the facts together is what we're really looking at here. Okay, here's the other book I mentioned. White House correspondent named William Koenig wrote a book, Eye to Eye. It was submitted facing the consequences of dividing Israel. The thesis of the book is that many of the natural calamities, economic setbacks, and political crises experienced by the United States since 1991 have been directly related to actions we have taken to force Israel to surrender territory to the Arabs. Koenig is a devout evangelical Christian who... Um, accordingly, he has the discernment to see the supernatural relationship between world events and the judgments of God. He's got some discernment here. Um, so, anyway, the title of the book is Eye to Eye. It was suggested uh, by Koenig's wife. Uh, she took it from Matthew Henry's commentary on Isaiah 52.8. So, again, there, we've got a lot of confirmation here of, of this fact. And, you know, I don't... It's, it's, you look at some of these quotes. This is from Yasser Arafat, who, one of the most wicked men that's ever lived. President of the Palestinian Authority from 19, Nobel Peace Prize winner. I love that one, 1994. Peace? I mean, that's as big of a joke as I have ever heard. One of the most wicked men ever. Here's, here's a quote from the Nobel Peace Prize winner. It's like Obama getting the Peace Prize. It's about as, you know, well, they're both Muslims, so I guess, you know. Um, Here's what Yasser Arafat said. We plan to eliminate the state of Israel and establish a purely Palestinian state. We will make life unbearable for the Jews by psychological and population explosion. See, all the stuff they're doing is by design. I mean, they're 640 times the size of Israel. Why do they got to mess with little Israel? Because they're of the father of the devil and of his works they will do. I mean, of his lust they will do. Okay, that's what they do. It says... We, we Palestinians will take over everything, including all of Jerusalem. Oh, but isn't Islam a religion of peace? No, it's a religion of death and hell and destruction. That's what it is. The victory march, here's another quote from him, the victory march will continue until the Palestinian flag flies in Jerusalem and all of Palestinian. Whoever stands by a just cause cannot possibly be called a terrorist. Oh, so I guess the ends do justify the means. So you can do whatever you want as a Muslim, as long as it's as it's in the name or the cause of Allah, and it's okay. You can lie, cheat, cheat steal, kill. And that's in the Quran. Here's another quote from Yasser Arafat: Our law is the Jordanian law that we inherited, which applies to both the West Bank and Gaza, and sets the death penalty for those who sell land to the Israelis. The death penalty if you sell land to the Israelis. Here's another quote from him. We do not bend or fail until the blood of every last Jew from the youngest child to the oldest elder is spilt to redeem our land. Another quote from good old Yasser Arafat. Peace for us means the destruction of Israel. We are preparing for all-out war, a war which will last for generations. Uh, Here's some opinions of good old Yasser Arafat. This is from uh, Arina Falushi. Arafat contradicts himself every five minutes. He always plays the double cross. He lies, even if you ask. He lies even if you ask him what time it is. Um, here's another quote from Nathan Sharinsky. It is not surprising then that in the decades since Oslo began, Arafat used all the resources placed at his disposal to fan the flames of hatred against Israel. Uh, another quote by him: Arafat rejected the deal because, as a dictator who has directed all his energies towards strengthening the Palestinians' hatred toward Israel. Arafat could not afford to make peace. Uh, this is, you know, I've reported on this. I've went through this whole document in, in, uh, in other times. Um, you know, it's just unbelievable. Okay, so let's finish this Bible verse. And the day I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone. This is Zechariah 12.3. And in that day I will make Jerusalem a burdensome, a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces through all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. In that day, saith the Lord, I will smite every horse with astonishment and his rider with madness. I will open mine eyes upon the house of Judah and I will smite every horse of the people with blindness. And the governors of Judah shall say in their heart, the inhabitants of Jerusalem shall be my strength in the Lord of hosts, their God. And that day will I make governors of Judah like the hearth of a fire among the wood, and like a torch of fire in a sheath. And they shall devour all the people round about. 
on the right hand and on the left, and Jerusalem shall be inhabited again in her own place, even in Jerusalem. Okay, so that was verse, we, we ended there at verse uh, uh, 6, and then you go to verse 8, In that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and he that is feeble among them in that day shall be as David, and the house of David shall be as God, and as the angel of the Lord before them. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. How can somebody say God's done with the Jews? <laughs> well, they're not Jews in there anymore. Oh, okay, right. Even though the Bible makes it very clear that they are. I mean, you know, come on. Then verse 10, I will pour upon the house of David. I'm in the house of David. How do you get a... They're not Jews? Come on. And upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look upon me... Who's that? Jesus Christ, whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one that mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. That's why the Bible says that blindness in part has happened to the Jew until the fullness of the Gentile come in. They're, they're blind up to a certain point in the Bible, and this is, I believe, near the end of the tribulation, and they get their eyes open corporately as a nation, the ones that are left. Okay? They're going to look upon Jesus. They're going to understand what they did. Next chapter, verse 8, it says, And it shall come to pass that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts thereof shall be cut off and die. But the third part shall be left therein. And I will bring the third part through the fire, and I will refine them as silver is refined, and I will try them as gold is tried, and they shall call upon my name, and I will hear them. I will say, it is my people, and they shall be the Lord is my God. Most likely, according to this passage, two parts, two-thirds of the Jews will die with what's coming in the tribulation. But a third part is going to be brought through the fire, and he's going to refine them as silver is refined, try them as gold. They will call upon his name. He will hear them. They're going to put, look upon whom they've pierced, and they're going to mourn for him as their only son. So, I mean, I'm not, you know... It's, it seems to be very clear that that's what's going to happen here. So it's not like the Jews are going to have an easy time ahead of them. But we just got to be, you know, we just want to have some biblical balance regarding the subject. A lot of people are just ready to throw the Jews under the bus, and then a lot of people elevate them as gods, like John Hagee, where he believes in ethnic salvation, where just because they're a Jew, just because of their bloodline, oh, they don't need to get saved, we don't need to witness to them, they're going to heaven anyway. Ethnic salvation. Now that's a bunch of garbage too. So, you know, there's a lot of people that they put them up in pedestals. they got to get saved the same way we do. So anyway, let's go further. Uh, or any, the same way as a Gentile does. Obama has given Netanyahu until Saturday to give his answer on his demands. That causes me to wonder how long God will give Mr. Obama. <laughs> yeah, good point. Uh, now, this is Sunday, and that was Saturday. I hadn't heard an answer yet on this. It might already be out there. Uh, unlike times past when the Israeli people wanted their government to give in to the wishes of the United States, at least to some degree, this time Netanyahu has the backing of 90%, if not more, of the Israeli public, even the left-wing parties. See, this time Netanyahu's got serious, serious backing from his own people. The latest Israeli poll shows only a 9% have a favorable opinion of Obama. Well, they know he's a Muslim. He's, his actions are showing himself to be a Muslim. And they believe that he favors the Palestinians and the Islamic Arab world. In fact, I personally don't know one Israeli who doesn't believe that Obama is a Muslim. Who doesn't believe that Obama is a Muslim. UN chief... Um, Oh, okay, this is just a, this is an excerpt from this article entitled UN Chief Israeli Settlement Plans Unacceptable. See, this is what this is all over. They're telling them, you know, they can't build in the settlement. What right do we have as America to tell Israel where they can build a settlement on their own land? They've got this tiny little sliver of land and we come in there and say, oh no, you can't do that. Who are we to tell them what to do? This is the UN Chief he says the Israeli settlement plans are unacceptable. In a rare direct rebuke to the UN, a member state UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon told the United Nations Security Council in New York Wednesday that Israel's latest settlement expansion plans in East Jerusalem are, quote, unacceptable. 
Do you know any place on the planet that this occurs? Does it occur any other place on the globe that we know of where everybody in the highest echelons of world government and government in America are so obsessed and so concerned about where little tiny Israel builds settlements It's like world news. They want to build an apartment complex on their own land. How dare they? Who are we to tell them that? How would they like it if Israel came in and Netanyahu told Obama, you better not build any more in Washington, D.C.? No, I forbid it. Everybody would laugh at him. Tell him to get lost. Yet we do that to Israel all the time. Why do they need our permission? Why do they need our permission to defend themselves? It's just ridiculous. It's such a double standard. Such hypocrisy. Anyway, that, that's, that's the report back from, uh, from Israel. I'm going to go ahead and end this part here, and we'll go to part two next. God bless you.